How's everyone doing today? Good, awesome. All right, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Before that, let's, uh, let's talk about our review. Uh, you can see the title of our message today is the second annual storytelling contest of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And you're going to figure out why uh, later on. Um, but before that, let's go to, well, you know what? Let's go to Lord in your prayer, shall we? Lord, thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity to be a church. Thank you, Lord, for your words that we can um, feed, and not just feed, but feast to our heart's content. And, and uh, I pray, dear God, that you would help us open our hearts and our minds and let us have a ready mind so we know and we can be sensitive to what you want us to learn. For it's in Jesus' name I pray all these. Amen. All right. Review from last week. Number one, we talked about, of course, we talked about the difference between the standing and state of the believer for actually three weeks. Number one, our standing has to do with what who sees, while our state has to do with what man sees. Our standing has to do with what God sees. Remember our illustration? Once we get saved, it does, not man, it does not manifest like a physical manifestation of us being saved. Meaning, we don't glow. We don't start to have a, a, a halo or anything. We get saved. That means it's what God sees. The change in us. You know, the declaration that we're justified. That's in the eyes of God. Man does not see that. I don't even see that. You don't even see that when you get saved. What man sees, however, is our state. So sometimes when, you know, once you're saved, that, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that away from us, praise God. But sometimes our standing is awesome, but our state sometimes is just a state of calamity in the eyes of man. Number two, in our standing, all things are blank in our state. Not all things are expe expedient. Legal or lawful. In our standing, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Does that mean that it's lawful for me to do anything now, everything that I want to do? Uh, meaning, meaning, does salvation give me permission to do whatever I want to do? Well, that's what the point is. In, in the sense of, do I lose my salvation if I do anything? The answer is no, you don't lose it. But... Is it expedient? Is it smart, right? Can I ask you something? If you grab a hammer and whack yourself in the head, will you lose your salvation? No. Is it a smart thing? Of course not. <laughs> right? So, uh, so that's what, what the point is. Number three, our standing is unchangeable, but our state blanks all the time. Changes all the time right? And number four, last but not the least, our standing has to do with our blank, while our state has to do with our daily blank. Our standing has to do with our daily salvation, thank you, while our state has to do with our daily walk. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Awesome. So I hope, uh, I hope this was a help for you. 
A lot of churches, a lot of Christians do not understand the difference between our standing and our state. That's why some people preach that you can lose your salvation when you do something wrong. If you, don't, if you, what, if you did not do anything to earn it to begin with, it was given to you, then you cannot do anything to lose it, praise God. And so uh, we'll study more about that. Not today, but we might hit that today. But uh, we'll, we'll dedicate a special time for just um, um, eternal security. That's what I was looking for. All right. On to our text. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 1. I'm going to start verse 1. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who is that I? That's Paul, who is he talking to? Timothy. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the alive and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach philosophy. Is that what it says? Preach uh, prosperity gospel. Is that what it says? Preach feel good gospel or preach funny stuff. Nope. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. And then the next verse says, for the time will come. And just like what you said earlier, Brother Bill, uh, about that church being bombed, we're in that time now. Right, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall, heap, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what? Fables. So that's why the title is the second annual Storytelling Contest of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Why the second annual? Why not the first annual? Why not the third annual? And why Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Well, I can't really speak for any church out there, but by God's grace and with God's help, we hope what's preached in this pulpit is God's word and it's doctrinal, amen? And well, more than that, biblical, amen? And so just sort of unpacking this verse... There is a time that will come, and like I told you earlier, we're, we're in that time now, when people who used to start with sound doctrine, because it says they're enduring it, right? So meaning, they started with some sort of doctrine, but now they just say, I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to look for other teachers. You know what that means when they say you're going to look for other teachers? You're going to teach, you, you know, it's not just one other teacher. It's plural teachers. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers. So meaning the motivation is physical because it says after their own lust. It's not spiritual. The motivation is physical. Shall they heap to themselves plural teachers? You know why? Because I don't like this teacher in this instance. In this particular topic, I like this teacher. Well, this teacher has some failure in this particular topic. I like this preacher over here. I hate this preacher over here. And him, eh, he does. He smiles all the lot, uh, all the time. He's a little creepy. So, uh, you know it. And 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 that term over there is having itching ears. 
You ever seen, um, and we were talking about the pet earlier, you, you ever seen, you, have you ever had a dog where you just scratch them at that specific spot in their ear, and then they're like, oh, yeah. You ever had a dog like that? And sometimes they'd even like pretend like they're scratching themselves, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's what, that's what the picture, that's what the analogy is of this verse. There will come a time when people who call themselves Christians will say, you know what, enough of this doctrine. I'm tired of this. It's not satisfying my physical needs. So I'm going to look for teachers who will. And they just will tell me what I like to hear because they caught that specific spot in my ear. Oh, yeah. Give me some more of that, preacher. Give me some more of that. (laughs) You know? And what does it say? They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So, and the reason why it's the second annual, it's because it's, I guess it's my second year being a part of this church. This is not to say whatsoever that during the first year, with, uh, last year, all I told you guys was stories. That's not what I'm trying to say. Meaning, the point of it is I don't want to have a third annual storytelling contest in this pulpit. That's not what we're trying to do. Pulpits are not supposed to be st- storytelling contest, and wh- whichever one that wins is what you're going to go. I like this church. I like this church because the pastor tells a lot of stories, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't challenge me to change. It's just smooth sailing whatsoever. So I'm going to att- attend that church. I hope that's not what our church is going to be like. Amen. Especially in this incoming year, let's not have a third annual Coeur d'Alene storytelling contest (laughs) all right so um and then let's go to the next verse over here uh first timothy chapter number four verse number one now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. There, there it is again, seducing. Uh, I mean, uh, earlier it says because of their own lusts. Now, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So, one of the things that, one of the things that we celebrate here in, well, not just here, but in the whole world, that I dislike with, uh, with just a passion. And, you know, it's up to you. I'm not, I'm, I'm just kind of just bear with me for a second. One of the things that we celebrate in the world that, well, I don't celebrate it. Let me organize my thoughts here. The world celebrates it, but I have a dislike for it. A passionate dislike for it is Halloween. You know why? Because... It sort of gives us, in my own opinion, this, you know, it's up to you. you the Bible says every man has to be convin- convinced in his own mind. But it sort of tells, gives us the wrong impression of what demons and devils do. So there are still Christians who think that, oh, demons and devils, they, they live in haunted houses. 
or they scare people or they're monsters and they eat. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says Satan transformed himself into a what? Angel of light. The devil is not going to get you by becoming a monster and scaring you, obviously scaring you. You know how? You know what the devils and the demons are in the they're in the business of doctrines. So, this is going to sound harsh. And I'm not particularly pointing my finger somewhere or in a particular place. But demons and devils right now are not in haunted houses. They're in churches. That's what the Bible says. That's the, they're in the business of doctrines. And so what happens is, Doctrines or, or even the Bible has been, or even preaching has been watered down so much. And that's the goal of the devil. So people will start to not care about it anymore. It's been watered down that it does not work, if you will. All right, let's go forward and hopefully we can explain this some more. Still with me? We're still just in the text, by the way. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 12 to 14. The Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, eh, maybe will suffer persecution. Is that what it says? Shall suffer persecution. Watch this. There again is the seducers and lust and seducers, all right? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that's Paul talking about that, right? So the problem with deceit is that it is designed to be incognito. Meaning, people who are deceived do not know that they are deceived. Right? And if they do, and they rip, the, the, the design of God is that if once they found out that they're deceived, is that they're supposed to get away from that deception. If they don't, that's just sheer foolishness. Right? So, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the problem, however, is, and I'm going to throw a verse out there from the book of Proverbs. And uh, it says, Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 17. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. That's why in the legal system, there are so many there are so many juries, and you've probably been in jury duty before, have you? Yes? No? <laughs> you fell asleep in there? But sometimes, I hope not all the time, sometimes the side that wins is the side who has the charismatic preacher, who has the preacher who is able to, uh, to lay out all the details even if it's not true. 
The preacher who is able to get the jury to like him the most. The most, or not preacher. Did I say preacher? The lawyer who, who, who gets the people to like him the most. That's probably one in the same ones, one in, you know, these days. <laughs> but you know what I mean. The, the preacher who gets people, or the, this, the lawyer who gets people to like him the most, whether what he's saying is wrong or not. That's why the judge says, right? The judge says what the lawyers are saying are not admissible for evidence. They're just laying it out for you. Evidence and witnesses are evidence and witnesses. What the lawyers are saying are not part of that. And so sadly, sometimes the first time people hear something, whether it's fables or jest or even real doctrinal biblical stuff, the first time people hear it, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. Because the Bible says this, he, he that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. There is no, you know, once somebody preaches over here or in, in a pulpit, whether it's true or not, nobody says, whoa, whoa, hold on, time out, preacher, but the Bible says this. Right? Nobody does that right away. So, everyone or majority of the people listening, it seems like what that guy is saying is right. So let's tie it all together with just the text that we read. From those text verses, we are given these facts. Number one, devils are in the business of doctrines. Yes? Number two, people who call themselves Christians and start off with some sort of doctrine will not endure it. There will come a time when they will not endure it. They may have started with it, they don't, I'm, I'm, and they may get to a point when it's, I'm just tired of it. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's look for somebody else. Number three, there are a multitude of teachers from which they can pick who they want to scratch their ears. Number four, they scratch their ears by telling the preachers, I'm talking about, the, the preachers scratch their ears by telling stories or fables, and they call it preaching. Number five, they are deceiving and also being deceived. Number six, the nature of deception is that it is incognito. It should be undetectable. That's how people design to deceive people. Nobody says... Nobody, no preacher stands up and says, today I am going to deceive you. Nobody does that. Number seven, the modus operandi of these teachers is that of seduction. How do people seduce or how are people seduced? By something that they want to begin with. Amen. And last but not the least over here, because Christians do not like to read and study God's word, what they say seems just, and they accept it. All right? So, we only have three points over here, and then we're done. The first one, I'm going to give you the outline. All right? Uh, the first one is, why do people depart from 
doctrine or from the Bible after starting right. Number two, why is it important to learn doctrine? And number three, what do we do about the storyteller? You ready? Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> number one, why do people depart after starting right? Well, maybe they're in a place that, start, that, that is preaching Bible or preaching doctrine. Why do they, do they depart? Number one, because they may have been unsaved in the first place. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. No matter how much you know the Bible, if you're not saved, these things are foolishness to you. Amen. No matter how much or how long you've been at church, no matter what kind of office or leadership position or how much you give to the church, if you are unsaved, the Word of God is not going to appeal to you. Amen. Because that is not your spiritual food. You are spiritually dead. You know, you know the only people that are hungry are people that are alive. Amen. <laughs> if you're hungry right now for physical food, for lunch, which is what I'm talking about, that's natural because you're alive. Amen. So why do people depart? Maybe they come to church because that's where their family has gone to. Or it's, you know, tradition. Everyone goes to church on Sunday, so I should go to church. Or maybe their family wanted them to go there. Or maybe they just don't have anything to do. After a while, the flesh is just going to say, you know what? This is not appealing to me. This is foolishness. Let's get out of here. Are you still a natural man? Meaning, are you still spiritually dead? Or are you spiritually alive? If you are, then you're going to be hungry for that word of God. Number two, because their authority for faith and practice is their own mind. The Bible says, look at this. Romans chapter number two, verse 15. And this is actually pretty scary to me. Have you heard in the news? In the news, you probably heard. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about anything political for now. For now. But have you heard of the news, the term, or the phrase, they've moved the goalpost? Have you heard that before? Meaning, they have one standard that they would judge everyone by at one point in their life or in their, uh, in their time in office. And then so many years down the road, they changed it or they've moved the goalpost. Right? You know why? It's because of this verse. Which show, Romans chapter number 2 verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts demean while accusing or excusing one another. Meaning, their standard in which they run their lives by is not the Bible. Because the Bible is immovable. It's it's sure. You know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, the Bible says, right? So you cannot move it. It is constant. It is there. So 
If it is true during the beginning, it is still true right now. It did not change. But if our standard for our life is what's good according to our thoughts, yeah, it's good for me to be good right now. It's good for me right now in the 1990s. Say for example, in the 1990s, it was good for churches to stand up against homosexuality and same-sex marriage. Because, I don't know, you know, something like free speech was still important back then. (laughs) Now, it's not so much anymore. So a lot of churches say, yeah, I'm going to move my goalpost and I'll just say, yeah, let's just, it's okay now. Did you see that? So, because their standard is not the Bible, their standard is their own thoughts, it definitely is movable. Their thoughts being the mean while accusing and excusing one another. If you are listening to us today, if, uh, whether in here or out in internet land, I cannot be your final authority for anything. Amen. The Bible is our final authority for everything that we do in our life and in our practice. If it's your thoughts, if it is your thought that is your final authority, well, I don't feel like this right now. Well, I don't think like this right now. I don't think I'm going to do that or I don't think I like that. Guess what? Thoughts change every day. And that is the same exact thing that Satan deceived Adam and Eve with in the garden in the beginning. Don't listen to God's words. Listen to your thoughts. Still there? So why do people depart after starting right? Number one, they're probably unsaved to begin with. Number two, because their authority of faith and practice is their own mind. Number three, because they don't like what they are hearing. <laughs> this is an interesting story. In the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter number 22, verse 7, just to use this as an example, There is a, well, let's just read it. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So back in the Old Testament, when kings wanted to do something, like maybe go to war with another country, they asked the prophet what the Lord says about it. Right? That's Old Testament because... You know, they can't go straight to the Lord. They have to go through the priest or the prophet. Now, we don't have to do that. We're saved upon the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the veil was rent in twain. So we don't need the priest to go into the Holy of Holies. We can go straight into the throne of grace. Praise God for that. So, but back then, that was the, the case. So Jehoshaph- Jehoshaphat was asking for a prophet so he can... You know, ask what God says. But the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. He said, yeah, there's a prophet. Yeah, there's a preacher. Yeah, we can ask him. He's he's a man of God. But look at the next four words. But I hate him. (laughs) Why? For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And so Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say no. Meaning, some people don't like what is being preached. 
or don't like the Word of God, or don't like the Bible, so they're just going to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's preaching. It's so negative. It challenges me all the time to do better. I'm going to lo- leave and look for a different teacher who's going to scratch my ear. Not only that, so number one, why do people leave after starting a right or being in a place that's, that, ha- that preaches the Bible? Number one, they might not be saved in the first place. Number two, because their authority for faith and practice, their final authority is their own selves. Number three, because they don't like what they're hearing. Number four, because they already have some preconceived unbiblical belief that they've decided they like, and then they go to the Bible for validation. That's... Uh, let me say that again. People have their own preconceived beliefs. And then they go to the Bible hoping that the Bible would validate their belief, even if it's unbiblical. Look at this verse over here in um, Ezekiel 14, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Um, trying to trying to think of an example here, but in the time during the time of Ezekiel, the people then have set up idols, have decided, you know what, we're gonna worship idols in their heart. And then they go to Ezekiel and say, Ezekiel, is this right? Meaning they already have a preconceived idea. And then they go to the prophet or to the preacher or to the Bible and say, Preacher, this, this, I hope that your answer for me revolves around what I think is right already. Right? So, number one, why do people depart after starting right? Because they might have been unsaved in the first place. Number two, because their authority of faith and practice is their own mind. Number three, because they don't, they don't like what they're hearing. Number four, because they already have preconceived unbiblical belief that they, they've decided they're going to the grave with, whether the Bible says it's right or wrong. And number four, because they love this present evil world. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me. Who's speaking here? Paul. Demas started with Paul. He started with the doctrine of Paul. He started believing what Paul says. And then later on, he forsook him, having loved this present evil world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, and so on and so forth. Let me just say this. Um, I, when I was still in the Philippines, there's all these groups and cliques of preachers. And sometimes they're called fellowships. I'm, so, I'm sure a lot of you know what, what those are about. And believe me, I'm not just a loner. I, <laughs> I like to have friends and I like to fellowship with people. But then sometimes when you're in a fellowship, you get kind of just corralled into this specific belief. Especially, I mean, it's good if it's the right belief, but if it's the wrong belief, then that's the problem. So we came up with this saying that we kind of coined ourselves. 
word, you know, fellowships, as long as it is a verb, is great. But be careful when fellowship is used as a noun. The fellowship of this, the fellowship of that. Why? Because sometimes, when you say, hey, listen, guys, hey, listen, group of preacher friends or fellowship, I saw this in the Bible. But if that's not their same belief, guess what? They're going to kick you out of, your, of the fellowship. Right? So, um, preacher is the same thing. If there's a preacher, and praise God, that's not what's happening in our church. <laughs> let, me, let me preface by saying that, okay? When a preacher who is hired or who, who, who steps in as a pastor of the church says, this is what I believe, and then say, for example, that's not the same belief of the church, guess what? Guess what's at stake? His paycheck. Right? And so preachers tend to say, you know what? I'm going to leave the doctrine of Paul or the gospel that Paul preaches, him being our pattern, because, man, I'd love to keep that paycheck. So as you can see, there are so many things going on in Christendom today, in churches today, that make people leave after starting from what is right. Right? But the Bible says learning the Bible, reading the Bible, learning doctrine is important. Why? Number one, we are commanded to give attendance to it. We're already in point number two, by the way. <laughs> Amen. We're commanded to give attendance to it. First Timothy chapter number four, verse 13. Till I come, we know that's the Apostle Paul saying, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. A long time ago, maybe a hundred, feels like a hundred years ago now. When I was in the Philippines, I think I said this when I started, when, when I candidated for this church for a bit. I think I mentioned this a bit, but a long time ago, what I like to do or what, my, what part of my ministry that was given to me was to go to the Mangyan tribes in the mountain of the Philippines. No electricity, hiking, going through waters. Maybe some, one of these days I'm going to show you some pictures. It's really interesting. One of those guys gave me a python as their offering. For what, Brother Francis? To eat. It was yummy. Amen. <laughs> Somebody gave me a, uh, not just me, but the group that I was with, a wild boar. <sighs> that was yummy eating. <laughs> I can eat it because I was a Gentile. Or I'm a Well, not anymore. <laughs> but anyway, I was, just, uh, I was just saying, they had no electricity. They... Literally, just tribal wear. I, I, and I can probably show you some pictures, like I said before. But you know what the difference is? I remember preaching to a group of, I'd like to say, 300 tribes people. Probably a little less than that. Guess what? They all, just like you right now, they all had their attention. Like, like just zeroed in on me. You know why? 
they didn't have television. So everything, like just somebody telling them something, you have their attention. So meaning their, their, uh, their sensibilities, their, their senses are not desensitized by television or just the, more, the daily noise of life. They're not, thinking, they're not thinking, oh man, I need to go to the dentist tomorrow. I'm so swamped with my schedule this week of finding wild boar and python. That's not, they don't do that. So meaning, my point is, they come to church with a, re- just with a ready mind. You know, it's funny because being a teacher as my trade, uh, I work, of course, at the chemical industry and hardware industry, but that's not my trade. I was trained to be a teacher. But that word attendance right there jumps out at me. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. As a teacher, I can tell if somebody's there, but they're not really there. And can I tell you something? Remember I told you earlier that the the, the devil, he's in the business of doctrine. That's what watered-down doctrine can do. Because you're so used... It's like, it's like a drug that people get high, that Christians get high spiritually. They sit down at church and then he's there. But when you check attendance, he's not really there. And I'm sure some of you in your work, you've talked to people and you're, they're, just, they're just looking at you. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Brain dead. They're there, but they're not, they're not there. The Bible, the Bible says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. How many of you have read your Bible and you're in like the next, the third chapter already and you're like, mm, I was reading the last three chapters, but my mind was thinking about the dentist. Nobody wants to think about the dentist. I just say that because I recently went to the dentist. Meaning your mind is somewhere else. Can I encourage you about something? To do something? When you're reading, check your own attendance if you're there or not. Amen. Amen. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Number two, why is Bible and doctrine important? Because we are commanded to study it. Number one, we are commanded to give attendance to it. Number two, we are commanded to study it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 to 16, Study to show thyselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. That's what the Bible references, just stories and fables that pass for preaching. Profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. The Bible says, study to show thyself, approve unto God. I like that word, thyself. Meaning, it's something that we're supposed to do for ourselves. When, we're in, uh, when we get to heaven and God says, well, did, did you study? <laughs> you can't say, hold on a second, Lord. Let me look for Brother Francis here in heaven and he'll tell you what we, talk, what we talked about in church. Or you can't say, you can't say, all right, well, you know how you, know how you, you have your own 
favorite barber or person that you go to for your hair or you have your own favorite tailor, you have your own favorite car mechanic. Meaning, you have people that you go to to entrust these responsibilities. Studying the Bible and learning and feeding your own self spiritually is not anything that you can delegate to anyone. Study to show thy self approve unto God. Amen. Why? Because we are commanded to give attendance to it. Number two, because we are commanded to study it. Number three, so we can be fully furnished unto all good works. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through which faith, is in, or sorry, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So like I said this before, no matter how much Bible you know, that does not automatically save you. You know the Bible, in the case of Timothy, he knew the Bible as a child, but there was a specific time when he had the trust in what that Bible says, meaning the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which leads us to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Or sorry, 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine. Uh, I think all of you are going to agree with this because I sort of, I, I agree with this too. Doctrine right now, right now in this world has a negative connotation, right? Have you heard the saying, people say, oh no, doctrine divides. Have you heard that before? We're supposed to coexist. Doctrine, just, it's just make things dry. Well, that depends on, you know, on whether you're interested in it or not. And it's profitable for doctrine. That is the number one reason why God gave us the Bible. Is profitable for number one, doctrine. And then what's number two? For reproof. Number three, for correction. For instruction of righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. What's next? Truly furnished unto all good works. And we talked about this before. Doctrine, the in-working of the doctrine is what we exercise. Whatever we put in is whatever we're going to put out. If all we're putting in is... Stories. If all we're putting in is fables, guess what we're going to put out? Just how, what goes into your mind when I say the word fables? Did you say a Aesop's? Stories? How many of you have heard Aesop? From kindergarten, I've heard Aesop's fables. And during the last time, during the end of the stories, my kindergarten would teacher would say, the, have you heard this, the moral of the story is, if all that we're preaching, if all that we're receiving is fables and stories, what you're going to put out is, yeah, praise God, some morality. But that's the problem. We only have a whole bunch of Christians that are moral, praise God for that, but there's also a lot of moral Christians that are unbiblical. Amen. So, well, 
I, I don't have time to go through, uh, follow this rabbit trail. So number one, so we are commanded to, to give attendance to it. Number two, we are commanded to study it. Number three, we can be fully furnished unto all good works. Number four, so we know how to function in our roles. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to just, just bear with me for a second. A lot of people say there are two kinds of churches. Churches that preach doctrine and Bible. And number two, churches that preach Christian life. Christian life. Um, I hope our, our church, by God's grace, is balanced. Because whatever you put in, like I said, is what you're going to put out. But a lot of people don't like doctrine because they say, you guys, you're so doctrinal, but you don't know how to live spiritually. You don't know how to help people that are in need. You know what? Doctrine is what helps us function in our roles. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Maybe we'll have some time next week. But speak down. This is in uh, Titus chapter number two. You might want to... Um, maybe take note because we don't have all the time to talk about this. But Titus chapter number 2 verses 1 to 8. But speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. What does sound doctrine produce? That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. That the aged women likewise, that they, behave, uh, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, etc., etc. I'm just wanting you to notice something, and we don't have time. That they may teach the young women, and then down there, the young men to do these things. Guess what? Where does that start? If the church, if you are mindful about learning the Bible and doctrine. Uh, last but not the least, what do we do about the storytellers? What do we do so we won't have a third annual storytelling contest in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Two things, two verses, then we're done. Number one is in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all what? Readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Next verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Let's all tie it all together, then we're done. How to listen to preaching. How to not have a third annual storytelling contest in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Number one. Well, of course, number one, make sure you go to a place that teaches and preaches the Bible. Encourages you to read and encourages you to study for yourself. We're not talking about just not, not just heartwarming stories, Amen. Um, make sure you go to a place where the, you know, you're challenged to read the Bible and you're supposed to learn for yourself. Number two, read the, receive the word with all readiness of heart, readiness of mind. Like I gave you the example of the tribes people earlier, they're just zeroed in, all right? That doesn't mean you're necessarily accepting everything as truth. You're just listening. You're just ready. Your mind is ready to see if there's anything wrong or not. Receive the word with readiness of mind. Number three, search the scriptures daily to see what your heart, what, sorry, what your, what, if what you heard is true. 
Number four, prove all things. I like this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things, but you don't hold fast to all things that I say or, what, or, or that the preacher says. You only hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. I would even encourage you to take down notes. You don't have to write down everything that I say. Uh, this is just an encouragement. Maybe you're, you're doing it in your mind or you're listening uh, again on the recording. I would even encourage you to just even just write down the text verses so you know what to prove. You might say, wait a second, what that brother Francis, what he said kind of seems off. Let me write that down so I can go back later on and see if that's right or wrong. Then write down the proof verse that I said on here to see if I'm wrong or right. Yes, praise God. If there is something that anyone says behind this pulpit which is unbiblical, I hope that you would be friend enough, that you would be kind enough, that you would love me enough to tell me that it's wrong. Amen. Amen. But it has, to be, it has to come from the Bible. Amen? So... You know, stories are nice, stories are good, but if we come to church just for stories, there's, let's just go to the library. <laughs> We're here to learn what God has for us to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your words.